Welcome to the long-awaited episode number 48 of the Around the Haterade Cooler Podcast. Episode 48, the 43-8 Super Bowl 48 edition of the Around the Haterade Cooler Podcast. Really? Yes. Really? Yes, really. Anytime. The, 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 the Tory Hunter edition? You know, shout, the, out, shout out to Tory Hunter. I had a Tory Hunter jersey when I was a kid. The Daryl Johnston era, I mean, uh, episode. I mean, there's a lot of good 48s. The 48 Hours Nick Nolte episode. Okay. All right. I see you working. Um, Super Bowl 48 to me is still the greatest 48, though. That's still going to be the best 48 to me. You, you, know, you know what the greatest thing about the numbers 4 and 8? That's Notre Dame's record because they went 4 and 8 this year. <laughs> you stole my joke. Oh, I was teeing him I've up for stolen that. Twitter's, I've stolen Twitter's joke, okay? <laughs> I, 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 I'm all about making the joke beforehand so nobody else can make it. Uh, your football teams are combined 4 and 21. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the, uh, to the pro team. And I can't wait until we do that. Four and twenty-one, My, man! You must hate football so much. Like I can't imagine how much you hate football right now. I don't hate football. I hate Brian Kelly, and I don't know if you if you saw my fan-sided column on Tuesday, but uh, I basically got a divorce, or I basically wrote a. I call it my divorce from the Cleveland Browns. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of watching this team and tired of getting false hope. Oh, by the way, Browns fans hate me now. Woo. <laughs> Man, so, I did fun. see it. I did see, I did see uh, you drew out uh, some divorce papers uh, with you and the Browns. And I don't, uh, I don't uh, blame you. In the least, they they ran a flea flicker from the two yard line in the snowstorm uh, on Sunday, and their quarterback threw the ball into triple coverage, and it got intercepted. And if that's and if that's that. if that's not the most Cleveland Browns play of the season, it's only because there are twenty or thirty other plays that are more Browns than that one. Yeah, the best part about that is I'm 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 covering the UConn K State game, and so. I'm watching some of the other, you know, I'm basically watching Twitter to see what happens with any NFL game. And I'm looking and I see on my timeline, oh my God, I can't believe the Browns just did that. And I'm like, I mean, it, it was a long line. So it, was, it was maybe eight to ten tweets. Like, you know when you see Twitter and you see like a like with a game winning play or a crazy play, you see Twitter just react to it instantly. Yeah. It was like that, and I'm like, well, something bad must have happened. And there's always one play, like in every regime, every regime since 1999, the Browns have pulled off one or two plays that sums up reasons why the Browns are still the Browns. And that was absolutely perfect. That was a great reminder of the consistent ineptitude of the Cleveland Browns. And it's 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 gotta be to me it's gotta be up there with some of the greats in history. So by the way folks, in case you've forgotten because it has been so long since we've done this, that is Andrew Hammond at a ham with two M's Sports Geek on Twitter. You can find his work at fansited the Associated Press and GoPowerCat.com. I am Dan Lucero at Dan Lucero Show. I don't have printed work. You can find my work on the airwaves. I, I do my I do my talking on the radio. Uh, I do not write. Uh, I would if I got paid for it, but I don't, so I don't. So that's that's that. But anyway, uh, we are so glad to be back with you after a hiatus. Obviously, uh, in our line of work, uh, we cover both football and basketball. Uh, there is no busier time than the month of November and uh, late November, that holiday season, and into early December as the two seasons cross over. Uh, now that uh, there is no crossover, now that football is for the most part over and done with, uh, we hope to return to regular podcast service. Now, with that being said, obviously we have a great deal to catch up on. And since we started down the NFL path by giving the Cleveland Browns all of the discussion that they deserve, which is to say two, three minutes before uh, we actually get into the podcast proper. Uh, Andrew, the, uh, the folks at uh, Football Outsiders have called this the year of no great NFL teams. Uh, 
with that in mind, is is it completely wide open in your mind, or are we sl- still looking at the number one seeds in each conference having a pretty clear path uh, to the Super Bowl? That would be New England and Dallas's things stand right now. Uh, are, are they are they the favorites, or is it that wide open? Uh, I, you know, it reminds me as you were explaining this. They're they're right now the number one seeds. I think even at the end of the season and we're in the last quarter of the season there's going to be a lot of twists and turns I think you'll, you'll, they'll still end up being the number one seeds but it reminds me of and you're going to be like oh my god Andrew with this analogy but it's like going from Munchkinland to the Emerald City like there's a lot of twists and turns things are going to get weird I'm not sure I trust Dallas or New England enough to make it there, but it wouldn't shock me if they do, if that makes any sense. Because I just I don't trust Dallas right now. Because as much as Scott Lenahan has been the uns- to me he's been the M- the MVP of this of of the Cowboys season. I'm not sold on them playing against a team with a good defense and we saw what happened with the New York Giants if they have to run into a Detroit or a Seattle a team that can hit them hard take advantage of mistakes capitalize on said mistakes and do just enough to win that like if if Detroit or Seattle are close with Dallas in a divisional round or NFC championship game, I'm not feeling so good if I'm Dallas. On well, right the AFC now, side? Right nah. now, I'm going I'm to stop you real quick. We'll get to the AFC in a second. Right now, I think Dallas's biggest concern is that uh, Dak Prescott has struggled uh, over the last couple of weeks. He has proven, in fact, to be human, to be a rookie, and uh, that's the kind of thing that tends to catch up with you late in a season and wait, wait, as wait, you play wait, hold, better hold players. Hold on, hold on. You're telling me that an NFL rookie is starting to struggle and people are starting to pick up on it? No way! And that if when he starts to play better teams, those teams will really start to capitalize on uh, the things that are his weaknesses? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's never happened before in the history I, of football. I, I, I told Cowboy fans that, they, oh, no, he'll, he'll adjust. He'll figure it out. It happens to everybody. We look at Big Ben's rookie season. You know, we, we look at RG3 when he had that rookie season with the Redskins. You look at Andrew Luck. Teams will capitalize. The NFL, as much as I trash NFL coaching and NFL GMing and all of that, one thing that's constant is they will always figure out what you do. They will always end up figuring you out. You get seven or eight defensive coordinators talking about one guy, how, how to stop this guy, how to, how, how, how to work with that guy. If you get enough of them talking, somebody's going to figure it out. There's 31 other teams in the NFL. You can't tell me that it's a, it doesn't take one or two to figure it out. Like, it, like it's once somebody sees some weaknesses, they'll be exploited. And it took it took longer than expected. I figured he'd be struggling by mid-October, but it's now on Dak Prescott and this and this Cowboy offense and and the Cowboy brass to figure this out. Because as much as I you know, as much as I'd be like, oh, hey, give it to Zeke. Guess what? I can stuff seven in the box. And if you want to try and throw it to to Des Bryant or Cole Beasley, uh, you, you may be taking a shot once you throw it. So I don't know. I It doesn't shock me, but at the same time, I still think in the end, Dallas is the one team that. I just 
it feels like they do one thing really, really well that always seems to matter in the playoffs, and that is they run the ball exceptionally well. They still have the great offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be the offensive rookie of the year uh, in the NFL, no question about that. But then you look at the rest of their competition. Right now, the number two seed in the NFC is a team that has trailed in 12 of the 13 games they have played in the fourth quarter of those games. They also have a quarterback with a mangled middle finger on his throwing hand, a, a finger that is mangled so bad that he came out and wore a special special fingerless glove that only had the glove on the one finger. Um, and also they are the Lions, and they are known for playoff utility. Uh, and that's the two seed in the NFC as it stands. Now, I don't think it's going to stand that way because they have to play Dallas, they have to play New York, and they have to play Green Bay in their final three games. They could lose all three of those games. So oh, I yeah. I, I, I firmly believe Green Bay wins the division. Uh, what, what has to happen? How far? Are they two back or are they what? I think they're, I think they're either two back – or something, and yeah, I think I think they're like two back, but it's something funky to where it's not like you know Detroit can win this weekend and wrap up the division. Like Detroit needs things to happen. Let me uh, let me pull up the playoff picture real quick because Detroit sits at uh, they they sit at uh, nine and four. And they Green Bay is seven and six, so they are uh, two games back. And Green Bay's got the Bears, the Vikings, and then they go to Detroit. And Green Bay's playing as well as anybody in the league right now. They did something to Seattle that had not been done in Russell Wilson's five seasons. Uh, they blew them out. They blew. They, they made them look so bad. They blowed them out. That was one of those games that. Some of it, I do think, was Seattle being a step slow in the cold weather. You had their wide receivers just were a step slow to balls, and Russell Wilson's touch was a step off, and K.J. Wright kept slipping on the turf, and it was just one of those games. Uh, I, the turnovers obviously made the biggest difference in the game. I certainly don't think if they played again tomorrow that Green Bay would be 28 points better than Seattle again, but uh, they outplayed them, and they took advantage of turnovers, and they blew out Seattle, which, again, nobody had done for five years. Seattle's previous biggest loss in the last five years was 10 points, and they lost by four touchdowns. So they're playing as well as anybody else right now could certainly catch Detroit, but right now Detroit's your two. Seattle is your three, and we've seen that they are flawed. They have arguably the highest ceiling I think when they're playing well, they look... Who, Seattle? Yes, because I think they're... When, oh, they, absolutely. when they play well, they look they look like the best team in football. And when they play bad, they look like a, lo- a, a team that picks in the top five. There has been no middle ground for them this year. It's been a very strange year in that regard. They've either looked really, really good or really, really terrible. And uh, that obviously isn't an ideal, uh, an ideal place in, with which to go into the postseason. Also, they seem to stink on the road. So uh, that first round by and that number two seed would be, uh, it would be incumbent on Seattle to find a way to. It depends get it. on where they go, though. Uh, I, I I don't think like you know they worry about teams that go on the road in the playoffs. I feel like this is the type of season that it it that doesn't matter. And and the same thing on the AFC side too. I I, I just feel like it does not home field. And I know this sounds kind of sacrilegious to say, but I I, just, I don't trust either team. Whether 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 it be a home team or not, I, I I don't trust a home team winning as much as I would would in a normal season. You, you get what I mean? I, yeah, I, I get what it's you so mean. It's so weird. I get what you mean, but I certainly think uh, Seattle has shown the largest disparity between their performance at home and their performance on the road of any uh, contender. Uh, this year, they're the three. The four uh, is the Falcons, who can't stop anybody. And also, if we're going to note that the Lions are the Lions, we should note that the Falcons are the Falcons. So you have two very star-crossed franchises there. Wild cards of the NFC as it stands: the Giants, who are they secretly good, and we've just not been paying enough attention. I mean, I've, I have been saying the Giants are good, and I'm just like, you know what? This is going to come back and haunt me. They're they're gonna, but I. I guess they. I, I, I guess they are good. <laughs> I'm as baffled as you because their quarterback is still Eli Manning. Uh, they still don't run the ball super well. 
Uh, their only offensive weapon is Odell Beckham Jr. on slants, uh, which is pretty good as far as offensive weapons go. But uh, yeah, yeah, de- yeah, defensively though, they're obviously pretty good. They get to they get after the quarterback, and that's one of those things. To me, I don't know. They're they're kind of they kind of remind me of the Chiefs. I think they're the NFC's answer to the Chiefs right now, with a pass rush and a defense uh, that uh, that's going to have to carry them if they want to do anything significant in the playoffs. I think that's the closest analog from NFC to AFC as far as that goes. Right now, Tampa Bay is a sixth seed. Uh, Their defense has made a dramatic improvement uh, midway through the season. Right now, they're holding off uh, the R-words, who are half a game back. Uh, The Vikings and the Packers are a full game back. Everybody else pretty much done in the NFC. But I, I say all that to say this. The Cowboys might be flawed, and they might be struggling these last couple of weeks. They, they, it's not as no might be. They are struggling these last couple of weeks. They've not played well. Dak Prescott has not played well. But they still, given a chance to rise to that occasion and start to look like, oh, now this is the scary team in the NFC, the Lions, the Seahawks, the Falcons, they really haven't done that. Green Bay has, but right now they're out of a playoff spot. So they're going to have to – and they've got a pretty favorable schedule. They've got the Bears on the road this week. They're going to stomp them. Then they got the Vikings at home and the Lions on the road. They could very easily finish at 10-6 and six and uh, put a lot of heat on the Lions with their brutal run-in. They go to New York this week, and then they're at Dallas the week after that. Boy, you're right. I think the Packers are going to sneak up and, and take that division. I think the Lions could go 0-3 in their final three games. That would be that would be an extremely Lions thing to have happen, would it not? True. I I also wonder. I don't think and and because I was explaining this to somebody, uh, we were looking at the playoff picture earlier this week. I totally don't trust the Atlanta Falcons to close the deal. Of I think not. it's either I think it's either going to be New Orleans. Or Tampa that just added uh, New Orleans. With a, New Orleans has to win out to get to five hundred. Hits hits them with the RKO out of nowhere. Like it's 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 gonna get weird. Like that's what I'm saying. Like we're going from the we're going from Munchkinland to Emerald City, and I don't trust anybody to stay on the path. Here's the biggest thing that gives the Falcons a, a leg up this week. They get the 49ers while Tampa Bay has to go to Dallas. That may is it be weird. Is it, is it weird that I'm more optimistic about Tampa Bay going to Dallas and winning? Is it is, it, is that weird? Because I tr- I actually trust Tampa to not fold under the lights. Because I think that defense is very underrated. No, they are. They're playing really well, and I think they've got something for. Uh... For Dak Prescott on Sunday night, I think it could be. It could get interesting. I, I think there's, uh, I think there's certainly a chance for that. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, right now of the six playoff teams that would be in the playoffs as the season ended today, uh, yeah, I think they could be uh, the scariest just based on the jump that their defense has made. Even if their offense is really just Jameis Winston looks for Mike Evans on literally every play. And you it's would, helping my fantasy team. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, over the AFC, uh, the Patriots, they're 11-2. They're the number one seed. Uh, the Chiefs are the two seed. Obviously, uh, being in the state of Kansas, uh, you and I are privy to a lot of Chiefs talk. I want to believe the Chiefs can make a playoff run. I want to believe that because I see their defense – and I see that the ways that they've found to win games this year, and I see an offense that is just enough, and it reminds me a lot of last year's Denver Broncos, where if they get a break and they end up getting that number one seed, or if they end up getting the favorable playoff matchup, you just don't know what could happen. But, man, I have a hard time putting a lot of faith in this Chiefs team. And for me right now, the biggest reason is they lost Eric Johnson. I think they're going to struggle. They were already 27th in the league against the run. I think they're going to struggle to shut down the run in the postseason, and I think that's going to hurt them at some point. Yeah, I mean... I... Like when they face Le'Veon Bell. To yeah, be, no, no. To be I, real specific about it. You know, no, I, I, I got you. And I feel like if, if Kansas City can lock down that two seed... Then you most likely have 
maybe the Central Division champion or Central. This is this is how old we are, kids. We we remember it as the AFC Central, the <laughs> AFC North uh, champion, or maybe you're lucky and you get the AFC South champ. Maybe. Yeah, I think they'd have to be the the one seed to get oh, the AFC South champ. Oh God! Because that's the AFC South champ so going to be the four seed. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to oh, end maybe, up. Maybe Pitts- you get the five. Pittsburgh's going to end up the three. The fi- the five is going to be Oakland. Yeah, probably. Five is going to be Oakland. Oakland's o- going to roll whoever wins the AFC South. Oakland at Houston or at Tennessee? Indy? Yeah. Oh, oh, you know Tennessee. Tennessee runs. I, I Tennessee, Tennessee can run the ball. Maybe a year away. I think Tennessee's maybe a year or two you away. You might be right. They run the ball, man. They really run it well. Like, they they poured it down Denver's throats. The and that's other a day. great defense too. It is a good defense. It's not a very good run defense this year. Uh, speaking of Denver, they're the sixth seed. Um, I am so sick of people trying to tell me that Trevor Simeon is good. Um, he. Everybody wanted to talk last week. Oh man, Trevor Simeon. He's not the reason the Broncos lost. Which that may be true. But, ah, oh, Trevor Simeon is great. And more and more I'm starting to read people tell me, uh, people uh, that I trust, people who are my friends, uh, people from the Denver area who are Bronco fans, say, I think Simeon can be the guy. And I say to them. For what? Like, listen, like the game that they're going crazy about, the game that he played last week, he had six and a half yards per carry or yards per attempt, and they scored ten points. Like, you're getting that excited. About, you're getting that gassed about a quarterback in a game where your offense scored ten points. Who they, did they even play? Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they lead, see, I was. They lead uh, the league in three and outs, and so nothing's changed last year. No, nothing from, really from last year. Here's <laughs> here's what I'm really starting to enjoy. Uh, John Elway drafted Brock Osweiler. Uh, did you know that? Did you know Brock Osweiler uh, uh, was drafted by John Elway? Six foot eight. Yes, uh, he is six foot eight. You know what else he is? Uh, what? Bad at playing football. He may have the worst. And I, and I told because I saw Alex Gold tweet that Trevor Simeon might—I mean, not Trevor Simeon, but uh, Brock Osweiler might be one of the worst quarterbacks in football. I honestly believe that that may be that—that that may go down as one of the worst contracts in NFL history. It Houston looks- paid seventy-two million for a guy that basically did just as good as Trevor Simeon is now. He was very unfortunate. John Elway looks like a freaking genius right now. Well, let's pump the brakes on that because Elway did draft Brock Osweiler uh, ahead of such luminaries as Russell Wilson. He also then, given a second chance to draft a quarterback, uh, traded up to take Paxton Lynch, who has played in two NFL games this year, and let's just say he doesn't look ready. I don't, I, that would I don't be think the, that would be the polite way to say it. The the less polite way to say it would be that he looks like Tim Tebow with a goatee. Okay, I will I I will give Paxton Lynch the benefit of a doubt on this. He was not supposed to be the when he was drafted last year or earlier this year. He was not supposed to be the guy this year. He was supposed to be getting groomed, getting ready. Yes, the Broncos and, and, that, and that's situation true. Situation went to crap as soon as Brock Osweiler bounced, and so now everybody's got to move up in the order. You, how, how bad was Mark Sanchez? If your quarterback situation is so bad, and you end up. And honestly, I would have never cut Mark Sanchez. No, I would have kept Sanchez around, even if you were going to, even if they were going to play Simeon. You you need a veteran quarterback, and I know that Kubiak and and Elway are former quarterbacks. Kubiak, you know, was was John Elway's backup. Elway, no no you know no need to explain his credentials. Obviously, he knows what he's doing at. The, See, that's when, the, that's the point I'm trying to make. Spot. That's the point I'm trying to make. John Elway might have been a great quarterback, but the two quarterbacks that he has identified in the draft as his quarterbacks of the future have been Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch, and that but, looks like oh for two for two strikeouts right now. And, and 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 I'm not I'm not trying to say that this is John Elway's fault. I'm all I'm saying is <laughs> all I'm saying I is am that John Elway can go to hell. He can't draft quarterbacks. You you could have kept. 
a veteran presence in there because as much as Kubiak and Elway can can have you know can can have these guys close and, and get in their ear and tell them okay this is what you do in this situation this is what you that do you still need a guy to go under center who's been there who's been in that situation and can somewhat halfway execute because I look at Mark Sanchez and I'm like okay yeah everybody knows about the butt fumble the kind of sudden ineptness he had at, uh, in New York but I'm still keeping this guy you want to know why because if I get in a situation where I'm needing to engineer or drive down the field do you have a rookie who is you know crowning if you know what I mean mm-hmm. and, 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 and and nervous as hell or do I want a guy that yeah he may have not been there but I still know that this guy can get it done if need be. And lest we forget Mark Sanchez, back-to-back AFC championship games, went on the road at Foxborough and won. Has beat a very good San Diego Chargers team on the road. So he's made plays and he's done, to me, he's done enough to warrant, okay, give this guy a chance. But if you're if you're trusting your offense with what three rookie quarterbacks now, essentially, mm-hmm. I, how 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 do I have if I'm playing for the Denver Broncos or or if, or if I'm a Broncos fan, how can I have faith in the season and being convinced that Trevor Simeon is for real? Because you're basically getting giving what what, what Peyton gave you last year. Yeah, that's about right. It's, it's 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 to me it's it's absolute bull crap, and I can't I can't take Denver seriously this year. And you know Brock Osweiler, would things be any different? No, probably not. I don't think they'd be any different. Uh, so at least you saved a lot of money on quarterback. You got to pay Von Miller his big money. Uh, so I mean, at least you did that. At least they were smart enough to move on from Brock Osweiler, who just doesn't look like he can play. But uh, I just Bronco fans, don't talk yourself into Trevor Simeon. Don't do it. Uh, the Broncos I, are more likely to I, go into next season with like Tony Romo as their quarterback, or well, maybe, or maybe they, or maybe they take a flyer on Tyrod Taylor if he's not retained by Buffalo. But no, Trevor Simeon is not I the I one. I don't. I don't mind Trevor Simeon. I don't think he's. I don't think he's absolutely terrible, but you have to remember he's a rookie, and one, he's he's a rookie. He's going to need time to develop because what you're essentially doing is once Brock left, everybody's expiration date while in that uniform suddenly changed. Like every everybody's. Every, everybody's chance to go up to the go up under center as the Broncos quarterback got sped up maybe a year or two before they were actually ready. So I don't I, I feel bad for Elway and Kubiak in this situation. I don't. <laughs> but you but you gotta remember this is kind of the hand they were dealt. I don't think they were as this proactive. This was the hand that they dealt themselves. Well, no, no, <laughs> but I, I don't think that they were as proactive enough in getting a veteran quarterback as they should have been. Because, uh, once again, I don't mind them drafting Paxton Lynch. I thought that was a great pick because that's that's a quarterback for the future, but you needed another veteran quarterback. And we said this, and I know I, I've said this, during the summer, and I said I said this with Dallas. I said Dallas needs another veteran quarterback because just in case Tony Romo isn't there or doesn't come back, or you end up getting rid of him, you're going to need somebody to to, to to so Dak can lean on. Because once again, Jason Garrett, ex quarterback, Troy Aikman's backup. Yeah, I mean that, that that only goes so far. You need to have. A veteran presence under center, and it's going to cost them a playoff spot. 
Uh, I want to make two counterpoints uh, before we move on. Uh, one, I don't think Paxton Lynch can play. And two, uh, the Dallas Cowboys were all set to take Paxton Lynch, and the Broncos kept Jerry Jones, saved Jerry Jones from himself. He had to settle for his consolation prize, which was Dak Prescott. Imagine if Jerry Jones had had his way and Paxton Lynch had started the season under center for the Dallas Cowboys. You know where they would be right now? One, they would not be 11-2. and two, And two, Tony Romo would be playing quarterback. Dude, you look at film, you look at tape from that Jacksonville game. Pax and Lynch, it, it's not just, oh, he doesn't, uh, he's not ready to play. It's He is bad and not good. Well, no, I, I, I he get could that. Not throw, he could not complete a pass into the flat. He had a Tebow-esque wind-up to his deep ball. Uh, he is bad and not good. Oh, I'm no, talking I, about Pax and Lynch. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I totally understand that. I, I, I feel like... If you if you can run the football and manage the game, that's once 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 again that's why I give Scott Linehan all the credit in the in the world and not enough credit. He hasn't been getting enough credit of how he's had Dak manage the game, not do anything stupid, you know, not make any rash mistakes. So I, I feel like. Paxton Lynch would have been fine in that situation because it was it was a much safer, much more clean and much more thorough operation in Dallas than it was in Denver. Because in Denver, it was just like, okay, we're going to still have the same playbook from Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah, just go out there and do your best, buddy. Yeah, I just I'm not buying Lynch, but that's uh, that's way too much to do about a backup quarterback for a team that probably won't make the playoffs anyway. Uh, they've got a brutal run in. They could lose all three of their last three games. They've got Pittsburgh. I mean, not Pittsburgh. They got New England. They got uh, they, they got Kansas, Kansas City, City and they got Christmas. Oakland. Yeah, and they got Oakland in their finale. They're the first team since 1978 to play three straight teams that have started the season 10-3 and three or better in their final three games. That is not what you would call. Good luck. Yes, good luck to the fighting Gary Kubiaks. Uh, real quick, with three weeks to go, obviously things can change. Remind me of your Super Bowl prediction before the season, and what is your Super Bowl prediction now? I just want the teams. Uh, I think I had... Green Bay and Pittsburgh as my as my preseason Super Bowl pick. Uh huh. Um, and you, you want my Super Bowl prediction now? Uh, yes. What it what it is right okay. now? Okay. Um, let me actually g- give me yours. I need to pull up the NFL playoff picture. Uh, my old one. I think I predicted the Panthers and the Patriots. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoopsie oh, Daisy. God. Whoopsie Daisy. Why does anybody listen to this podcast? I don't know. I, uh, speaking of teams that have just fallen off the face of the earth. Shout out to Cam Newton out there not wearing ties, looking like Dick Tracy. Looking like Auntie, look, looking like Auntie Cam out here. Uh, <laughs> no, but but in all honesty, our NFC Championship game a year ago, Carolina and Arizona. And neither of those teams, teams that have playoffs. Arizona just fell off an absolute cliff. And if you didn't see that coming, then you clearly do not watch enough football. Well, I didn't see it coming, but I will say this: they were an old, they were an older team. They were all in for this year, and they could not afford a step back from Carson Palmer, and that's exactly what they ended up getting. And uh, that's why they're that's why they're trash. And they they're going to be in the hunt for a quarterback coming this draft. Yes, they will. Uh, as, and if they aren't, then they're absolutely crazy. Or maybe Tony Romo goes to Arizona. Not a bad spot. No, not a bad spot. But you still have an old Asian quarterback with injuries. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, Super Bowl prediction now. Uh, this is this is tough. Uh, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I ha- I hate myself for saying this with every fiber of my being. Seattle and Kansas City. <laughs> you just want me to suffer, don't you? No, no, you no. You realize no, how bad no. that would be for me, right? No, I, I, I realize. I think to me, Seattle 
I'm not. I, I think they've got Dallas, the ceiling. They, they they've got the ceiling, and uh, they are the most playoff tested of any team currently in the NFC and, field. And I do not trust Dallas in in the postseason. Like, I feel like they can make a deep run, but at the same time, I'm not sure if if Dak runs into a good defense. Because I mean, let's 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 be honest. The teams that he's that 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 Dallas has beaten haven't been that great defensively. Uh, no, they have not. Uh, so I would, yeah, I, I go Seattle. I I think I think they can beat. They're the only team I think that can beat Dallas in Dallas. And I'm making a somewhat bold prediction here. I don't think New England makes the uh, AFC Championship game. Ooh, you think somebody gets them in round one? They don't. I, have a, they don't have a great defense. I I think a team like a, an Oakland who can get into a shootout with them. Uh, I'm that Patriot. That Patriots offense looks very good, but I'm also worried about what their offense does, like without Gronk. Nah, that's fair. Like how, like how, how potent can they be? Because that Raiders defense is very good. They, 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 they've improved as the season has gone along. So if, so if New England has to run into a Pittsburgh or a Tennessee or an Oakland in that second round, ee, not a good matchup. You know, uh, I like that pick. I think that's uh, certainly within the realm of possibility. I think anybody in the AFC can get it. Um, but I am going to choose as my Super Bowl prediction as it sits right now. Hopefully this will look better than the one I made all the way back in September. But I will say that it will be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, dear God. Uh, yes, it would be an insufferable uh, two weeks of hype, no doubt about that. The, 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 the nation's two biggest bandwagon teams Ugh. going at it in a Super Bowl. And we have to hear how we have to hear uh, how annoyingly happy Cowboys fans and Steelers fans will be. <laughs> but you know what? We get incredible NF Films footage on those Cowboy uh, Steelers battles from the seventies. That's true. It's true. You get a whole lot of watching Lin Swan uh, make his ballerina catch in whichever Super Bowl that was. Um, Super Bowl ten. Super Bowl ten. That's right. Uh, that's uh, that's what I'm going for. Steelers, just their offense so good, they scare me. I think those are the two teams best at running the ball. You don't need to run the ball to win, but I think in uh, in January, I think that's going to, especially this year when you've got so I many flawed about teams. Still. Uh, that's true. I mean, all these teams are flawed. There, There is not a, a clear favorite. Every single one of these teams, and not just flawed a little bit. Like They're seriously flawed. But uh, I will take uh, the best talent on offense with Pittsburgh, and uh, I think Dallas probably right now uh, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, they have the best weapon, and that offensive line, they have the best weapon offensively of any of the NFC teams. So that's why I'm going in that direction. I would much rather I'd sign me up for Seattle, Kansas City, even though that would make my life very difficult at work, uh, particularly if the Chiefs won. I would have to call in sick on Monday and probably the Tuesday after that game, and maybe even the Wednesday, too. It would just depend on how the game went. But, uh, no, sign me up for that. I'm, uh, I would be, uh, I'd be okay with that. I think it would be a fun game, too. But uh, uh, we got a few more minutes and, uh, obviously, a ton more ground that we could possibly cover since it's been so long since we've done this. Uh, let's go rapid fire in a few topics, shall we? Just a couple okay. of uh, quick uh, quick little nuggets uh, that we'll, uh, we'll try to get to. Uh, we'll go from NFL and then shift over to college football. Uh, first question for uh, our NFL discussion. The next head coach of the Los Angeles Rams will be who? Brian Kelly. You think it's going to be Brian Kelly? See, I... I, I, I choose to believe that Brian Kelly <laughs> will finally weasel his way into an NFL job and get out of my life forever. So this is wishful thinking more than anything else. And that's fine. Yes, I respect that. Uh, I also think that whether it's Brian Kelly or not, I think that the next hire is going to be a splashy one uh, for the Rams. Uh, I, whether it's 
Brian Kelly or whether they make a play for John Gruden or whatever it is, they're going to hire somebody that's going to make headlines because the Rams need to do that because they need publicity because their stadium seats over 100,000 people and nobody's going to it because the team is cheeks. Uh, so they really need to uh, consider that when making a hire. They can't just go out and hire Jim Bob Cooter and expect that that's going to move units. Like that's not Jim Bob Cooter. It'd be a lot of fun. It might make sense. He might. I mean, he might have earned that that uh, opportunity, but uh, that's not happening. They're they're going to make a splashy you, hire. You, you can't tell me now. The head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles, California, the Los Angeles Rams, Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> no, I mean man named. <laughs> I mean, sign me up, but uh, no, the Rams won't do that. They're not going to go out. We get to say Cooter. <laughs> they're not going to go out and hire the hot offensive coordinator, the hot defensive coordinator. They're going to go out and they're going to go get a name. Is he? Uh, is, is he really? Is, is, is he really the the guy on as far as OCs go? I no say, I wouldn't say so, but he was the first name I came up with. Because his name again okay, is Jim like, Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> I want to. Oh, I want man. to again stress that his name again is Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, James Robert Cooter. Um, no, they'll go with somebody <laughs> like you. Like, will put some respect in his name. <laughs> I should. I should put more respect on his name than than I have. You're absolutely right. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's the Rams. Uh, College football topic. Who's made the best coaching hire in college football this offseason? Ooh, uh, that's a good that that's a good good question. I would can I can I can I have a tie? Here? Sure, sure. It's a it's a cop out, but that's all good. We make the rules. Uh, I will say Oregon and South Florida. Oregon is a very scary hire. And I say scary as in good, because you're going to have one hell of a recruiting battle between Mike Leach, uh, Chris Peterson, new Oregon coach Willie Taggart, and uh, David Shaw at Stanford. Those are four guys that will absolutely have wars, absolute wars in the greater Northwest. And in California, I like Willie Taggart too. And we forget Clay Helton. Yeah, yeah. obviously yeah. he knows what he's South, doing. South Florida is. Yeah, but, yeah. South Florida going to Charlie Strong. That that makes a lot of sense for Charlie. Um, that's a that's a perfect bounce back kind of gig for oh, him. Oh yeah, and that's a, and that's a and and that cupboard is not bare. Like that that's a program that could easily reach a group of five bowl game or get that group of five bid next season i'm still going to say that tom herman is the best hire uh the uh texas hiring tom herman uh they're going to be so talented next year they're going to go 11 and 1 or 10 and 2 and everybody's going to credit tom herman even though charlie strong will deserve uh some of that credit uh but uh i'm with you but have you seen ut's schedule though it's not an easy one oh my god that big 12 slate is like the first six games in that Big Twelve slate are an absolute bear. Like I, I don't know. Can I just like run it down real quick? Yeah, go ahead. At Iowa State, Kansas State at home, OU in the Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma State at home. Then you're on the road at Baylor, who I think is going to be better than most people think, and t- at TCU. Who I think will be improved next season. Oh, they will be. They will be. Like I, I, I can't get three wins out of this. Yeah, well, I think they're going to be a lot better. I, I just think they'll be, they'll be a little more cohesive. And I mean, maybe last year's team, the way they were coached, the talent they had, yeah, it'd be tough to see three wins. But uh, no, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be really good out of the gate. I think Tom Herman is that good. I think that highly of him. But I'll tell you who made a stealthy good hire that nobody talked about because nobody talks about this football program. But uh, Jeff Brom to Purdue is a good hire. Yes, absolutely. Jeff Brom to Purdue is a good hire because Purdue needed to quit going for the MAC. Whatever coach won the MAC championship the year before when yeah. hiring their coaches, they just need to go get a dude who did something unique, and uh, that's what they've done. They brought in Jeff Brom, who's got a bit of a different offense. It's very pass heavy. They score a ton of points at Western Kentucky, and uh, I think that will translate well and make Purdue uh, a little bit more competitive. 
uh, in the Big Ten than they have been uh, for a while. So Jeff Brom is kind of my under-the-radar good hire, but I think Tom Herman is the best hire of the offseason. I got one more. Uh, what is your favorite non National semifinal bowl matchup of the holiday season. Oh, God. Holiday season. Uh, so not not a semifinal. Mm-hmm. New, uh, Year's, New Year's Six is okay. But uh, that's, a, that's, that's a good question. Um, uh, I can pick a New Year's Six game? Yeah, you can pick a New Year's Six game. Okay, uh... You know what? I will go Oklahoma and Auburn. That game is going to get absolutely drunk, and I cannot wait <laughs> for it. God, I didn't realize bowls started on Saturday. I'm so excited. Um, that's a good choice. Uh, I will select the Alamo Bowl, which is presented by – who is the Alamo Bowl sponsor? Valero. Valero. It was either Valero or Advocare. So a lot of bowls out here bowl. don't have uh, don't have sponsors anymore. Oh, you're telling me that they just they they just threw all this money at these bowl games and nobody would go to them and they don't want to sponsor them anymore? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. All these bowls are uh, sponsorless this year. But uh, no, uh, the Alamo Bowl this year. Number ten Colorado. Number twelve Oklahoma State. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Colorado with their defense. Oklahoma State with Mason Rudolph, that offense. That's going to be a fun game. And the Alamo Bowl is always a sneaky fun game. That's always one that uh, tends to have some real good excitement going on. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a very weird game. Like you know, you have those bowl games that like you just know weird things are going to happen. Like you may see a team, you may see both teams put up like thirty in the first half. And you're like, oh. This is what I kind of expected. Good for you. Like the Holiday Bowl for years just had just strange games where it would be like somebody may score like 20 unanswered or something something stupid like that. Uh, Louisville LSU is going to be fun in the Citrus Bowl too. Yes. On, on New Year's Eve. That's going to be a blast. Um, also, whatever the opposite of fun is, Georgia TCU in the Liberty Bowl and Florida Iowa in the Outback Bowl are going to be that. Florida and Iowa in the Outback Bowl. Florida and Iowa in the Outback Bowl is going to be like just like what's the torture. Point? What's the point? What is even the point? Any There is one bowl game. I, I, I forgot which bowl game it was. But uh, I was looking at the um, I was looking at the matchups, and there's one game I forgot what it was. I have to look at it. But there was one game on the list where I just said, you know, if you like, if you if you if you enjoy defense, you just kind you you may need to like avert your eyes because things are going to get really nasty. Um, but no, yeah, I'm looking at the bowl schedule right now. And for the most part, most of these bowls this year are like pretty watchable. Like, like even like the lower tier bowls, they all kind of have an interesting and fascinating storyline that I'm like, you know what? I may be, I, I may invest my my time in actually watching this game. But um, but no, I mean, I look at USC Penn State. I think that's one game that. We're all just going to be looking at like, oh my god, USC. USC is going to be a top five team next season. I, I, yeah. I, I firmly believe that. But I agree. no, if 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 you enjoy the game of football, Florida and Iowa is just going to be absolute hell. Yes. Like, do you, do you, do you value life if you're actually going to like watch that game? Hard pass. Uh, hard. Hard pass, and that is a uh, just just a reminder that is the January second game on ABC at noon our time. So, just in case you uh, just just in case you want to like party New Year's night, you, you may have the reasons to do that. Just just, just to avoid that. <laughs> 
Just to avoid that that next day. Uh, more football. Ugh. Yeah, you get. Uh, I think you'd feel worse about yourself uh, waking up after watching that game than you would if you woke up champagne drunk. Yeah, champagne drunk. I, w- I would rather fun. wake up champagne drunk than wake up Florida-Iowa drunk. Yeah, but then you had the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. By the way, uh, is P.J. Fleck pretty much just – going to stay at Western Michigan at this point, unless somebody from, unless the Rams hire somebody from college, is that the only way PJ Fleck stays at Western Michigan? I think he's going to stay one more year. I think he's going to ride it out uh, for another year, just like uh, Tom Herman did at Houston, and uh, he'll see what comes open next year. It's, that's, man, that's going to be interesting. But, uh, no, I do. I think uh, I, I think he uh, I obviously has done a tremendous job with Western Michigan this year, and we'll see uh, we'll see where where he goes from here. But I don't think he's going anywhere right away. I, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I I would put a sleeper. Say 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 if he were to go next year or even later this year, if if if, if the job opens, Kansas State. Really? Why do you say that? I will say that because one of PJ Flick's biggest mentors and the reason he got into coaching is because of Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill is um, has a special role at Kansas State University in the athletic department. He's kind of like a liaison or what have you for uh, for 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 the athletic program. It works with. Um, Coach Snyder, somewhat. Mm-hmm. So, it wouldn't shock me if, and, and, and once again, if you're listening to the podcast um, and, and you know K State football, um, this is nothing like this. this I'm, I'm not trying to break any news here. I'm just throwing out a name that I think would be intriguing and make sense somewhat. Because um, I'm not trying to be started. I'm not trying to start a big controversy, but that that would be a name that I would keep an eye out for. Interesting. I, I think I think that program fits the program fits fits PJ Fleck too. Well, that's a ways away, but uh, bowl season is not a ways away. That gets started on Saturday, but uh, that's a good place, I think, to uh, wrap up this welcome back edition of the Around the Haterade Cooler podcast, episode 48. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. You can still find us on SoundCloud. You can still find us on iTunes. Find us the same way you've always found us. You know where to find us, Around the Haterade Cooler. Find Andrew on Twitter at AhamSportsGeek. Find his work on Fansided, uh, the GoPowerCat.com, and the Associated Press. Uh, I am on Twitter at DanLuceroShow. We appreciate you hanging with us. We hope you enjoy this episode. We'll be back much sooner. We promise you that. And until next time, hate on, my friends.